and welcome to series four of The Confidence Fighter. I'm Mercer and on this podcast I'm here to help you find and grow your inner confidence. But before we get on with this episode I would really appreciate it if you subscribed. Okay without further ado let's get on with this episode. Hello and today I'm delighted to welcome Joe Blackshaw as my special guest on The Confidence Fighter. Joe, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your story? Yes, hi Myrtle, thank you for having me. So I um, I started rowing at school a long time ago um, and I rowed all the way through university and absolutely loved it and I loved competing and loved training and loved all the friends that I made but I had to stop rowing when I was when I was working because rowing is a very time-consuming sport and um, and I really missed it so I was really delighted when a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to join her crew to row across the Atlantic so this was a well a year and a half ago now and it was in the middle of lockdown and you know we've all had so many challenges through lockdown and you know we were missing other people and trying to stay fit and all the, all those good things and, it, and it's something that I'd always had in the back of my mind. I'd always thought, wow, that's an amazing challenge. But I'm at the ripe old age of 48, probably thought that kind of challenge might not be possible. But I joined this lovely crew and we successfully rode across the Atlantic um, over Christmas this year and got back at the end of January, having rode it in 40 days, 11 hours and 25 minutes. So what made you decide to do the row? I love, cha- I do love challenges. So I love rowing. I love challenges. Um, and I... I really missed being in a team and and having something to work towards. I have two gorgeous children and two lovely dogs and I throw myself into them and into my work but I I couldn't resist the challenge really and I think when I'm a little bit of a fatalist and when somebody that I admire comes up and says do you want to join my team I find it hard to say no to things like that and this is something that had always piqued my interest. So that's why I decided to do the row. Um, It's something that relatively few people have done it's obviously got an element of scariness about it but I think that sort of ability to go away and to be empowered and challenge myself and try and inspire my children just was too good an opportunity to miss. How did you feel about the risks you were taking particularly as a mother and leaving your children behind and how did you cope with that? So leaving leaving my children behind was by far by far country mile the hardest thing that I've ever had to do and by far the hardest thing about this entire challenge. Um, they were still 10. I have twins, boy girl twins, so Amy and Daniel. They were 10 when I sort of came home and said, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to row the Atlantic. And they're, they're, so my, my crewmate, um, Pippa, her husband had rowed it um, about a year previously. And they'd sort of heard about this. And um, and I think it's okay when dads do say these things. I think dads almost get a little bit more of a free pass to do these things. But they were more than aware of how long it takes to cross the Atlantic. And they said, uh, they, they just said, how can you possibly leave us over Christmas? So that was a really, really difficult one. And we had to work hard together to sort of prepare ourselves. I think they were they were going to miss me first and foremost, but also scared for my safety. So we had to do a lot of work around just how much we were preparing ourselves to to make sure that we were safe and secure and we were able to communicate um, but there were a lot of tears I have to be honest but I think once we set off from Lagomera um, and the race started I think they 
they grew in terms of their own resilience and um, they were really proud and they came to meet me in Antigua so they got some time off school and now they look back and say that they know why I did it and they're really proud that I did it although they would say it's probably one of the hardest things they had to do as well. Can you tell us a bit about the run-up to the row and whether things that went wrong? It's a physically hard challenge rowing across the Atlantic but it's also quite a hard mental challenge so I'd say the time that we had to spend, we had multiple hours training we had to do in the boat and on rowing machines and weight training and all that good stuff. But finding a crew of like-minded people who are who are up for the same kind of challenge, can take the time off work, can leave their children behind. We, we were called the mothership, so so we kind of all had to be mothers. And um, and we, we had a couple of crew changes through various reasons. So at the last, well, kind of last summer, we had to find a fourth member uh, and that was a little bit challenging. We were running out of time. So we were thinking maybe we'll have to raise a three uh, and that's um, that's even more of a challenge. But, but we we found my lovely friend, Lebby, who was at university with me, who I used to row with. And she's a journalist. And so it was a double whammy. She was able to join the crew. She was fantastic to have on board, literally. And um, and she also wrote all our social media. So so that was brilliant. But yes, I think I think just balancing the training around your day job and your children uh, and trying to be as dedicated a, a, a mummy as you can be while training for something like this is just I wouldn't say it's you know I wouldn't say anything went wrong as such but uh, you have to make sure your boat's ship shape and everything else it's it's a real you know everything has to come together in the right way. What does it feel like to row out of the harbour and what was your greatest fear at the time? Do you know rowing rowing out of Lagomera was an incredible feeling. So you set off um, with all the other crews, but three minutes apart, and the atmosphere is electric. Uh, and I think, although you're full of trepidation because you're about to do something really, really challenging, you also, it's just a culmination of a year and a half hard training and preparation. And it was just such a, and you've had so many inspections. I wasn't very well, obviously, with COVID before I left. So there was a chance that we weren't going to go. And that moment when we said so it was a beautiful day and everyone was cheering and it just felt like we're here. It's an enormous privilege to be taking part. And the next stop is Antigua, where we're going to see our our families. So so the thing that I was probably most, I don't know, fearful of um, or, or just thought, mm, I'm not, not sure how this is going to go, is, um, was actually losing sight of land because I love the water. I'm always out on boats when I'm on holiday with my children, etc. And and but you you always know there's a boat around. You always know there's a safety boat if you're out sailing, or you know you never you can always see the shore. And so I suppose that for the first couple of days, you could still see a sort of sliver of land, and then eventually it just went, and you were in a disc of water, and that was it. We didn't see land for another 40 days. We didn't see another boat after the first few days for 35 days. I mean, it was just the most bizarre feeling. So you just feel, gosh, I'm completely self-sufficient. You carry everything with you. For your entire journey, all your food, you make your own water with a special machine, you're driven by solar power. And there's something there's something scary about it, but there's something more empowering about it that makes you think, wow, you know, this is a proper adventure. And then there's other things like big waves and marlin strikes and things like that, which were in the back of our mind. But we 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 had a few weeks of quite calm weather before the waves struck. So we were able to get used to being on, on board without those. Can you tell us a bit about the row itself? What was the best bit and the worst bit? So the best bit, um, the best bit was the night times. 
so before we went out we thought it was going to be a bit scary at night you're not going to be able to see anything and you know it's going to be dark but the, the stars were beautiful um on the clear nights which we had a lot of we were blessed with a lot of clear nights it was incredibly hot during the day so i know some people have cold crossings and you imagine the ocean's going to be really cold and stormy um we were going very very far south so we had some really really grueling very very hot very draining conditions and I found some of those mid midday heat of the sun shifts incredibly hard. My hands still haven't recovered. So, so the pain in my hands was incredibly sore, not just blisters, but your joints actually, you get what's called claw hand. And that's very, very painful. So those were the hard bits, um, apart from obviously, so Christmas I found very hard because obviously you imagine your family all together. I love Christmas, everything about Christmas. So that was just you know, really hard. But the best bits were just chatting we chatted about everything we bonded as a crew I you know I, I we had a wonderful team dynamic and I absolutely love my teammates they're they're you know going to be soulmates for life now we had some real belly laughs we really made each other laugh we talked about everything there was a lovely simplicity about it so our lives are usually chaotic with work and children and everything else but we had this wonderful simplicity we had to look after each other we had to look after ourselves we had to make sure that we weren't getting too sore you know sores on our bottoms and sores on our hands and all that good stuff and so and so it's just that feeling of wow we're out here looking after one another and we're we're doing a challenge together and I absolutely loved I love that and I, I miss them you know I miss them now that we're back on land were there ever times when you just wanted to go home and what did you do at that point what they tell you when you go onto this row is that um, is that the quickest way, once you've started, the quickest way to get home is to keep rowing. So um, unlike some challenges, you know, Marathon des Sables or the ATAP or whatever, you, you probably think in the back of your head, if things get really tough, I can just get off my bike or I can stop because there'll be someone there to rescue. When you're on this boat, there is no one around and it might take a, a rescue boat up to three to four days to get to you so you've obviously got a life raft and you've got all your provisions and everything else and these boats are pretty unsinkable but um if you really feel like you want to get off the boat um or you're really really unwell or whatever someone can come and rescue you but they won't take you home they'll take you to the nearest place so they might it might be a tanker going to canada or it might be a a boat going back to africa or whatever it might be and um so you have to carry your passport and credit cards and all that kind of thing I never got to the stage where I really wanted to get off. I wanted to get to the other end. I was desperate to get to the other end, not because I was hating it, but just because I, I was just desperate to see my family again. So I was lucky enough. I don't think any of us thought, gosh, I hate this. I want to get off. We weren't miserable. We were just so eager to get to the other end. But there were low points where you just, sometimes you were just so overwhelmed with tiredness because you're, you're, you're rowing two hours on and two hours off and your maximum sleep is about an hour and a quarter because in your break times, you have to wash yourself, you have to eat, you have to do your various jobs around the boat. So there isn't, really isn't much time to sleep. So you are utterly exhausted. And sometimes you just weep with tiredness. And it wasn't that you weren't enjoying it. It just meant that you were just on a low ebb and you needed to get to the other side. But then you try and cheer each other up. So so we were, we were lucky. Um, I have to ask you how you went to the loo. <laughs> Hygiene. Um, yeah, I'm afraid it's pretty. I'm afraid it's pretty basic. We had um, we had a bucket, which we did number twos in, and we had little jugs that we got from a DIY store, which we just used to clamp between our legs and go for a wee. Um, and uh, honestly, you think, oh, gosh, how am I going to do that in front of people? 
you know, every minute of the day. Honestly, within about 24 hours, we were totally, that was the least of our worries. But, um, and then you had to pour it all over the side of the boat. So it's pretty pretty basic, Um, but uh, but that's how we did it. Um, It was just lots of toilet paper and and biodegradable wipes. Hygiene, very key. What did it feel like growing into the harbour? Oh, that was amazing. So rowing into Antigua was just, we, we came in, so our first sight of land was, again, a small grey sliver on the horizon. And then suddenly you think, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. A, you hope you come to the right place. I was navigating, so I hope my directions were, were right. And, and then it, as it comes towards you, you suddenly think, oh, my goodness, there's grass, there's trees, there's buildings, there's people. You know, you haven't seen any of those things for ages. And then the sun was going down. It was great. The timing was perfect. We The sun was going down. Our families had been told a week a, a week before to fly out to Antigua because they we were expected in you know at a certain time, so they were waiting for us up on a, a vantage point and they saw us row back round in the sunset, and just as the sun went down we we rowed into the harbour and I could hear my family cheering you know couldn't see them it was dark and then we rowed into the actual into the dock and you can't walk I mean you we had to really help each other kind of out onto the land um, and everything's moving everything's moving I mean even if you've been on a boat for a day you'll understand how it feels it feels a bit rocky when you get off but after 40 days it's just the most bizarre feeling and um and then I saw my family for the first time incredibly emotional wonderful to see them and um and then you sort of realize you've lost quite a lot of weight and they look at you going oh my goodness you've you look a bit different you don't smell so good um but no amazing amazing feeling just in every single way and I think you've you learn to appreciate things like food and showers and dry land and walking and things like that. What are the things that you've learned about yourself having done the row? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think this this challenge teaches you an awful lot about yourself. Um, I think um, all the questions you've asked today are, are so pertinent. You know, it's it's you know, how do you deal with challenge? How do you how do you um, cope with facing fears um how do you work under pressure um you know I've always known that I love working in teams and I I love working with people I love looking after people and I like to be looked after myself so so I think that was just a real real pleasure um I I learned I think I it it gave me some more inner confidence you know I think you know we are in our late 40s and early 50s and um we've gone through a lot I think having children teaches you so much and you know, you learn a lot through maturity, but doing a challenge like that teaches you, you know, just how much you can sustain, how much you can work through pain, um, how you react to um, scary situations like, you know, our auto helm breaking down and things like that. Um, you learn about close friendships and what they mean to you. Um, and I think also my children built resilience as well. And I think you know almost showing them that you can overcome fears and challenges and and that sort of thing is is really important as well um is there anything that you know now about the row that you wish you'd known at the beginning do you know what i think the race really prepares you very well so the race organizers prepare you for all of this I mean, gosh, I, I haven't really talked about the race that we had in the middle of the race, if you know what I mean. So we'd, we'd been going for about a thousand miles and then, you know, one crew had gone north, another crew of four ladies and we'd gone south. And then suddenly there were a, there was literally nothing between us. I mean, there were 40 miles between us north, south, but um, but we were the equal, an equal distance from the finish. And um, 
And we had said that we hadn't set out to win. We'd set out to cross the Atlantic and do it as quickly as we could. This crew had set out to win and they were quite a fair bit younger than us. Uh, So we just had this mad race. And I think we should have put more thought into what would happen if we were in that situation. And I think before we left, we just said, look, we're just going to do, we're going to row our race, do our thing and do it as best we can. But when you're faced with a competition in the middle of the ocean, you can't resist competing. So, uh, so that was, that was tricky how we dealt with that, I think. Are you going to go and do another wild adventure or do you think you're done? I um, I am all adventured out for a good long time. I could never leave my children again for that long unless they want to do it when they grow up. And then I'd happily do that with them. But no, so for now, I think my uh, my life feels very full and um, and I can happily sort of live off the memory of this one for quite a long time. What did you listen to on the road? We listened to a lot of music. We listened to various playlists and I absolutely, it was so, we, honestly, at the night times, when I wasn't feeling completely drained and, and you know, dying of heat stroke, we used to sing our hearts out to anything, really. Um, my friend Lebby's got an interesting line in sort of rather loud punk music that um, even that I started enjoying. But, um, but yeah, anything, really, anything. I mean, we sang, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody at the top of our voices, um, all sorts of things. I mean, we just sang and sang and sang. I did try and listen to um, an audio book, but... Um, Honestly, you just end up falling asleep. So every time I was in there, so when you're out, out on board, it's quite hard to, to really concentrate on that. And, and you, you also want to be sociable with your crew members. But we listened to a lot of music and we played a lot of games. We played a lot of kind of those games that you entertain yourself with when you're um, when you're in the car. A to Z of girls' names, boys' names, TV shows, all sorts of things, inappropriate things. You know, it was it, whatever, whatever to keep us to keep us entertained, basically. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give to your 13-year-old self? I think be confident in yourself, be kind, and um, and believe in yourself more. It's something that I say to my two children. And, you know, I think you have to believe in yourself and you have to try things and you have to stick at things. And even if they don't go quite as you planned, I think you can always learn from that experience. So knowing that you've done your best and that you've put your heart and soul into something, even if it doesn't work out as you'd expect it, it's still worth giving it a go. And you'll learn either way. And if you have that attitude, I think you you go a long way. So have confidence in yourself and um, and you never know what you might achieve or, or who you might meet on the way, which I think is, is so important in this life. Well, actually, so so I will leave you. So shall I leave you with an inspirational quote then? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's quite simple. It's believe you can and you're halfway there, which I think is is so true. I think believing in yourself and having a positive attitude takes you so far in whatever it is you're trying to do. So you've obviously got that attitude or you wouldn't be doing this. So So well done you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Confidence Fighter and you're using Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate a rating and review because this means other young girls can find this podcast more easily. Don't forget to subscribe. See you next time.